Hello people, we are back for another instalment of Temp and Flow Music Industry Talks Live. And I'm excited um, for the person we got on this actually. In it's like, she's a G at her job. I work with her, but she's been a G before I even worked with her. Um, brilliant in marketing, just brilliant all around. And um, you know, it took a bit of persuading to get her on here, but she's agreed to do it. I think it's gonna be amazing. I think people are gonna learn. It's gonna be enjoyable. So yeah, let's get this going. Let's get things cracking. How is everyone feeling, man? How's everyone feeling out there today? Um, it's not good weather. I know lockdown's taking its toll. Um, but yeah, we're still doing these like check out the podcast on apple and spotify um it's amazing man like people are hitting us up learning from this getting involved so i'm delighted to have oxy on this one we're gonna have a chat she sent a request already let's make it happen i need a haircut <laughs> Hi. What's going on? Oh, not much. This is like my first ever Instagram live, so I'm a little bit, <laughs> I'm a bit nervous, but I'm, um, I'm excited. How are you doing? I'm all right, man. Thank you for doing this. Actually, it's a pleasure. Um, yeah, I, I've, I wait to get you on here from before. I know we had to make the schedules work, but I think like it's amazing. I think what you do is amazing. And yeah, very kind. Chat about it. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's get into it. All right. So, how did you get into music? Um, my first job was at a creative agency. Sorry, a, <clears throat> it's not Corona, but I am feeling like a little bit cold. Have your water on the side, you know. Have your got, the side. No, I've got. I've got like a big, um, a big tea. Um, <laughs> So I worked at a creative agency called Latimer, um, and that was my first like proper proper job instead of like working in retail um, and stuff. And uh, it was kind Can of like. Can you explain you know, what Latimer is, though? It was, like, it was it's hard to explain because I it like it was amazing but kind of chaotic. It was like a youth focused agency i worked in insights there and that job was basically like connecting mainly actually with young like hard hard to reach audiences um and coming up with strategies for bigger brands like uh the british council or bbc3 or mtv um uh but it had like a really big youth network there which yeah. was made up of different creatives so musicians designers artists actors directors writers and i think now reflecting on it and i look at like who we were able to work with and connect with during that time it was such like a fucking amazing time <laughs> of my life but anyway they used to throw like quarterly events that my friend lou used to run and i'd kind of like try and help her out but probably quite like blindly um and i think that was probably the beginning of like wetting my appetite for knowing that I probably wanted to work less so in um 
the kind of market research space that I was in and in something a little bit more exciting. Um, I was there for about two and a half years and then kind of like reached a bit of a ceiling and I was like, I don't think I'm really learning um, anything here anymore. So I actually like got in touch with a recruiter, which I haven't <laughs> done since, but they set me up with like for about a year, actually, they set me up with like different interviews across the place that I was kind of like never really that into. And then a job came up at Warner Music Group, the corporation. Mm -hmm. So, like, as you know, like, for the major labels, there's the big corporations that are then broken down into little businesses inside. So this job was kind of like a central label services. Um, sorry, Cherry is, like, <laughs> being disruptive. Um, yeah, so this was a central label services role, doing a similar thing, coming up with artist strategy, um, but, like, centrally. I was so excited um, for that job because... I didn't ever think actually that I was going to be able to work like I didn't ever think I was going to be working in music in like that capacity but I knew it was the right thing to do um yeah. and then when I got there it was really cool I think I did that for like two and a half years yeah. uh, and it was basically like the different marketing teams across the company and across the world would come and be like oh like we've just signed uh Dan and Shay, like as a kind of neutral <laughs> example. Uh, we've just signed Dan and Shay. They're like a country band. We've signed them out of Nashville and we don't really know what to do with them. So I'd then like curate groups of fans that would like be relevant fans, sit down and talk to them, understand what it is that they actually wanted from like an artist proposition um, and then come up with a marketing strategy. But it was very hands off. Um, yeah. So it was kind of like sitting there like, imagine if I came to you and was like, so, like, this is, like, some fans' opinions on guests. <laughs> like, it, it was it was really fun. I got to travel. I got to make, like, a really cool, like, global network. But I, I got quite bored of that. Um, yeah. And at the same time, my friends and I, so Ebby and Louise, uh, we started a company called Leo Sounds because we also... I think we were just all in that time in our lives where we were like, let's like make our own company and just give it... Um... Big up, Ebby and Louise. Yeah, I, I, they said they were joining. I don't know if they're... <laughs> I don't know if they're my, my like, moral support. Um, we started a company called Leo Sounds and we didn't really know what we were doing at first. We just knew that we had a lot to offer across our different areas of expertise. Like, Ebby's an amazing publicist. She'd worked in fashion and was transitioning into working in music. Louise is just an amazing creative brain and a, a producer and just general connector of um, people. Mm. And I kind of bring the strat strategy. Um, so we started Leo Sounds and I think that that was like a really amazing opportunity because it allowed us to make our own connections where we didn't really have any. And I think make a bit of a name for ourselves in terms of like we put some collaborations together that like still like make me feel really good when we listen to them um and it was just exciting because we were like hungry and didn't really know what the fuck we were doing but yeah we just went for it um and at the same time you were seeing I guess like a really big change in the market just in UK music and consumption so UK rap like domestic UK artists were like kicking off and like dominating the charts or beginning to dominate the charts um mm. so I guess after about two two years doing the insight stuff 
uh, I went to HR and just was like, I can see that you're signing more black artists and like you don't have any black people <laughs> like on your on the teams. Um, so it's crazy that you're trying to market um, Mist, for example, and there's nobody there that even looks like they have like a reflection of like could understand what it is or who it is you're trying to communicate with. So it was kind of ballsy, but it worked, and I got I got offered a job at um, Warner. Then it was called Warner Brothers, and then the rest is kind of history. I've been there. What year was that? What year did you join Warner Brothers? You're trying to test me because my maths is so <laughs> bad. I think it was like 2017. Right. Two and a half years ago. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, so I had no marketing experience whatsoever, like no formal marketing experience, but. Jen, who um, was the GM, was just like, it's fine, I'm going to teach you everything that you need to know because you've got the like desire to want to do, to do this and you've got expertise in areas that we don't. So I'll teach you like, the very mechanics of it and you can just get on with it. And that was basically the start of it all. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, Jen's a very important person in my career. Yeah. And so, you kind of summed that up really quickly, but we got to go back because, oh. like, <laughs> this is this is well, this is all about going in depth, you see. This is like, this is not just a little talk and paddle. Where off, that off, was off, like the off, rehearsed off. version. I'm like, okay, cool. This time. <laughs> well, lucky for me, I know you. So I think I met you in that Leo sound stage because I think at the time I became A and R relentless in 2017 part time, and okay. that was. And that was June 2017. And I think, how did, I can't remember how we met, but I, I need feel like we met at Great Escape. Maybe. Yeah, that's a good shout. <laughs> that's a good shout in Brighton, in the coast. But you are, I respected the Leo Sounds thing because I thought, like, wow, three amazing black women managing road rap, <laughs> like road rappers. So I just thought you guys must be like, next level like taking those shit to manage k trap Yaz Teflon and there was a third one wasn't there? I feel like there was a third a third person. We, we managed Tef and Trap and then we there was a little period that we were doing like PR for six seven um and trying to just like connect the dots between like what it is like I'm still a very big fan. What it is that they were doing at the time and yeah like Basically, I think that because we all, most of us worked in like a corporate environment, we understood and still I think is a very valuable skill is like a lot of the time, as you as you know, an artist doesn't necessarily understand how to communicate their their wants to like the big like organisation and yeah. vice versa, because I don't think that organisations are particularly well versed in communicating with uh, black artists at the best <laughs> the best of times so um i think that that was really where we kind of managed to pull off some things that we you know didn't didn't really expect but it talk, but talk to us about that time because i think the reason i'm bringing that up is like this is at a moment when you guys are seeing like myself and a few others that this uk music is it's coming do you know what i mean it's yeah. here it's a thing and um you know, I, don't, I hope you don't mind me saying, but you guys did K-Trap to a record deal. 
which is amazing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So how is that how is that for you, considering you're you're with two friends, you both don't really or all three of you are kinda like new to it, but you've got rappers, amazing rappers, and now with this rapper you're like you're seeing the growth. You're seeing the growth in the marketplace, you're seeing it with him. What is that like? You know, what is it? I mean like full transparency, like I think at the time that we were at the time that we were setting up the deal, I kind of understood that or Warner Records was taking up like a lot of my time. So I knew that there were certain levers that I needed to pull to kind of make it slightly more competitive, like slightly more competitive, if that makes sense. But I think it was a lot guided by instinct instead of like any like understanding, like now looking back at it and you bringing it up, I'm like, it is like quite impressive what like what we've managed. never managed before and you got someone a record deal like that is amazing it's true yeah it is i guess it's like it's funny it depends where you place your value because i think this is something that you and i talk about like quite a lot it's like yeah. if a record deal is the holy grail of like what it is you're wanting to achieve then yes it is amazing but i think that my energy more often than not is focused on trying to um trying to make really good work, like trying to make really good uh, art and strategy around art and artist ideas and trying to bring that to life. And then um, that doesn't necessarily need to be a, a, a label, if that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I think that Ebby was like a real lead on that. And I remember going into Island Records and being like, hi, like, I don't really like I, I know that we're working with someone absolutely amazing here and really what we want to do is try and find a place for him where it's going to be like his proposition and what he has to offer is going to be taken like incredibly seriously and it was interesting because um, I think there was a period of time that people were like sniffing around um, yeah. and we started managing him um, and we were like okay well let's give ourselves I think it was like like six months to a year and we're like if people are still if the same people are still knocking on our door then we know that it's going to be like the kind of right um it's going to be like a better choice for us um yeah. because as you know it's kind of like a fickle industry and i think that people definitely jump on what's hot and that doesn't necessarily take into account probably the slightly more emotional side that i look at it that it's like this is somebody's life so do it if you think you can add value and if you don't think you can add value just stay away because yes. i'm like getting a call um <laughs> yeah, the right to you. To to you. oh is that the secret <laughs> airplane to keep wi-fi on <laughs> oh okay is that it's, it's, it's airplane mode but keep wi-fi on yeah no i've done it wow okay this is what you like yeah I, you don't know that if you never um <laughs> you don't know that if you've never used instagram live before um yeah so i think it was always about trying to find um trying to find a space where he would be he would be valued where the money felt comfortable for him um yeah. but also that he was going to be valued and kind of looked after because I think 
you know, we all found it challenging because none of us had managed before and I wouldn't class myself as a natural born manager. I think that there's like other places that I like add, um, that I add value. So it was really about trying to find a really good team that were going to look after him and also be collaborative, you know? Which you is found that better. Big up Esteban. <laughs> yeah. That. Well, it felt right. They had a relationship. Trap and Esty had a relationship. So it made sense. It's like, you. I think with these big, big, big business decisions that are like, I don't know. I don't know whether labels like prepare new managers and artists that have never had a record deal before like hard enough for what that process is like and it's something that I, I believe that we've all been discussing like across like the black music industry it's like what what um steps are being put in place to ensure that when you are suddenly finding money in your account that wasn't there before when you are suddenly even like being asked to go to a planning meeting and if you never don't know what a fucking planning meeting is that's a very weird situation to walk into um but yeah it, we did it so that's amazing <laughs> and then so you're at warner so let's go going back a little bit you started you're learning jen's like a great mentor and influence and then what is that what does that feel like because I know at the time I wasn't working at Warner, looking on the outside in, um, seeing you around in the industry and I'm, I'm respecting the moods. Like I'm seeing Bangles have bad and he's having certain, you know, big successful songs. Um, and then I'm seeing like Miss, like what, what is that? Well, Talk the, the that first, that so when I landed at Warner, um, like within the first, month because i i was hired at warner to work with mist and with gov um and to do the marketing literally for that because at the time Sade um was there and she kind of ran marketing for bangles um so i think mist was signed in the august i came in like the november and you know jerome and mist and gov had this mixtape ready called diamond in the dirt and i went I was just told we needed to get it out and like I said I didn't have any formal experience but I knew that like no matter what there was no option for it to not be like a success because also you develop like you develop relationships with people where you're like oh shit okay cool like now I really understand what the logistics of this are and what it is that it means to have to deliver for you so that was fucking crazy that was a crazy crazy time but it was it was very very fun and I'd never been on a video shoot before and I felt like we missed was like I want to do a video like in Kenya like I found this like hotel um uh, yeah, I found this hotel called, uh, I can't remember what it was called, but I remember looking at pictures of the hotel and never really associating the fact that, like, we were going to have to go there and actually, like, shoot, like, come back with, like, a um, music video, and I didn't really know what that process, like, required, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. But that was, I think, like, a bit of a baptism of fire, because we were literally out in the bush, we all bonded and then you kind of feel uh you understand the responsibility of what it is that you're doing um and how important it is to champion um black artists 
back yeah. inside the building because you get back inside the building once the video shoot's done and you have to communicate to everybody kind of like what the messaging is like and why they need to be prioritizing um said artist um mm. and it was just a wild ride i think i didn't stop asking questions like alex burford and seb and jen literally just got their ears chewed off because i was like what what the fuck is the scheduling now? Like, who do, who the fuck needs to know about this? Just tell me, top to bottom, who I need to be, like, pressuring yeah. <laughs> to get this, like, to the top of the agenda. And it was also, I guess, like, a big priority for the label at the, t at the time because it was um, their first rapper. So... Yeah, just we just kind of threw absolutely everything at it, but it was an interesting journey because I think up until that, um, up until the project came out, and we threw like a really good party, and I remember everyone from the label being like, "Oh my god, like we didn't like we've not been to a party like this before," and I was like, "Ah, oh, okay, like what? We should party more." Um, yeah. Like, and it felt it felt really, really good and really exciting, and it charted at number four. Like, and I don't even think at that one stage that I was even getting um, the midweeks. You <laughs> like, wasn't the mid getting the midweeks. No, I didn't even because you know, like you have to like sign Get up on the distribution list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I remember Jen messaging me being like, um, this is where you're at, like, make sure that you communicate to everybody that this is what, you know, this is what, what you're doing. But I don't know. I think I just threw everything at it and knew that we had to um, prioritise Birmingham as like a messaging hub and not make it so like London centric and just make sure that Mist's name was everywhere. Like, no matter what, it literally, I don't think I thought about the cost, which is probably something that, uh, yeah. But that's exciting. That's good to hear because I think you're telling you're telling us how it went. And that, from the outside, like, big up, because I always thought, when I saw Miss get a top five, I believe it was a top five. It was, I was number just four. Like, there we go, top <laughs> number four. And I was just like... Yeah, well done. <laughs> like this is this is good. Do you know what I mean? Because I was already checking charts like daily. I was always checking what's going on in the marketplace, as I guess every A and R would. Yeah. But I just remember thinking that was big, and then like it just felt like I was looking at Warner from the outside, and I'm like, okay, they've got somebody marketing that understands black music and is marketing black music, and I knew it was uncharted territory for them. Because if we're being honest. And we can say it before Mr. Bangles. Well, the guitar was, label. Yeah, they didn't have they didn't have black artists. They didn't yeah. know what to do with black music. So I guess it was always going to be interesting to watch and see. And then that leads to, I guess, like I don't think projects. I had a real awareness of that. You know, what the... I don't think I had a real I don't think I had a real understanding like from working in a, a central role across all of the labels yeah to going into a frontline label i don't i don't think i understood the character of what existed before uh those sidings if that makes sense like i think now i understand that it's like to transform a place into something where black artists and artists making black music feel safe and 
like happy and like they can thrive and that they're listened to um it's a big cultural it's a big cultural shift that requires a lot of people to kind of get stuck in yeah 100 yeah 100 and i think and that's why i always big you up because obviously big up jerome big up Garth, big up everybody involved but i know it's not easy when you're basically like this has not been done before <laughs> you know this is not there's no blueprint so you're creating the blueprint as you go along do you know what I mean? but that's why i think like a little bit of kind of naivety in a sense was like <laughs> helped me go a long way because it meant that yeah. i didn't run out of steam in a sense because it was just like let's just fucking go like anything's possible and i do still feel that way like fully i'm like we've got exciting campaigns coming up that we can't talk about but i'm like the sky's the limit let's yeah. it's possible and it's more possible now um than it ever has been and i think it gets the prospects get more exciting every day it's just about how we um how we kind of champion our artists and make everybody feel excited and engaged like across the you know across the company yeah so you're working Mist, you're doing bangles, and then what's it like to do Mist So High? Because I'm, I don't know if I'm right in saying that was the first platinum campaign, platinum success. Yeah. Like, that what? was crazy because I, I don't, I don't know. I remember when I think Jerome was just like, it's gone platinum, and I was like, that's really, really, really good for Mist. <laughs> like, that's just like the best news because this is, again, it's like, I do definitely see that the job is kind of like you're working with and for the artists, right? That's what the, that's what the role is. It's like at the end of the day, like the pressure to deliver more so is on, is on them and they're the ones that it's like the career is in right there. Like it's just, it's about them. It's not about anything else. So, how did I feel was so high? I think we did a really, really fucking good job. It was really hard. Um, but I want you to talk about it. I want you to pick because okay. Okay. Let, me, let, me get my, let me try and retrace the steps. I think <laughs> I probably suppress a lot, Lloyd. I'm just like, that can go in the stress vault. Well, um, only because, because you're going to have people tuning in now and listening back to this on a podcast and watching back to this yeah. that will want to know what that campaign, what is it like from your words, from your experience to market and start a campaign and see it through to platinum level, you know? And we okay. talk about, we'll talk about still Bangles top 10 too, because we have to throw that in there. So there's two things, right? There's the general kind of like artist brand management that I think that we've spoken about. There's like an internal PR job that has to happen that runs alongside everything that you everything that you do every day, the conversations that you're having. So we have a sales meeting every Wednesday and those guys in the sales meeting are like the account managers for all of the different streaming platforms. So there's like a guy that looks after Spotify, there's a guy that looks after Apple um, and SoundCloud and Amazon, right? And then just across the board, you are kind of, or at least I see it as being responsible for the representation of, in this instance missed across the board so that no matter what we're releasing people are going to take it seriously the second that we say we've got this new missed record right because there's a lot of people that you 
you're in that meeting you're also talking alongside like Jen presenting Liam Gallagher and like all of these mm. massive artists so there's a there's a consistent maintenance job mm-hmm. keeping people updated being like you know missed Instagram lives are popping off whatever it is um so that the second that you have to talk with a purpose people will care um and so I was like knocking around for a little bit and then as I don't know if Nim is still here, but I did see him. Um, like, as with Catalyst Management, it does happen. The fire, just like, turn, like the intensity just like turns on. And they're like, we've got this thing. This is the idea. We're going to fucking um, Costa Rica and we're shooting a video with Fredo. <laughs> so I think that like Nathan and I, Nathan who works in creative, were just like, okay, cool. Like, let's get someone like really, really good um, to shoot it. And like, let's just go. And, and get it done and it was like pretty epic and I guess in a similar sense to the uh, Kenya shoot that I spoke about before but everything kind of starts with the creative right yeah. so you're like we have to make Mist and Fredo in this instance look the very very best that they can to complement this very very good song that's like basically it and also not yeah that's it you just want really good creative a nice artwork concept and like a good music video is I think the first steps because the thing that you can't influence and that you can't determine is what the fuck fans are going to feel because mm-hmm. you just don't know until the song's yeah. out. So yeah. I can sit there and be like, there's songs, for example, that we've released that I've been like, this is fucking amazing. This is, this is the hit. And now I don't really buy into the hit word because I'm like, we don't know. I hate the word hit. No, I hate the word it's, hit. It's, it's like, it's nonsense and it's totally <laughs> abstract because uh, fans determine what a hit is. We have no control over that. All we can do is package it up really, really nicely and then deliver it in interesting ways and then hope that that's enough. But I don't think you can polish a turd. <laughs> so it's just yeah. like, trying to, like trying to do the best you can. Um, so... Yeah, we shot the video in Costa Rica, came back. I think we had, like, uh, the edit had to be done in, like, four days because we were trying to meet, I think, like, a wireless um, date that had been put in, which was, like, nice pressure. Um, And then we released it. And I think we did a big outdoor advertising campaign, as we tend to do with Mist, because, as I said before, it's really important that we have, like, a street presence, like, in Birmingham, in London, in Manchester, um and we also wanted to get it ready in time for like his summer shows um so we just went for it and I remember having actually got the midweeks at that point and understanding the chart a little bit better than um, when I first arrived um we ended week one at like 11 yeah and I think everyone was like really disappointed and I was like, oh, I feel like this is really good because this is like our best chart result for like, yeah, like yeah. I've done this before. This is totally uncharted territory. Like it's fucking 11. That to me feels like a win. Um, but yeah, it was like, it split the crowd. I think people were like, that is like <laughs> not what we were expecting. Um, yeah. And then it grew and it grew and it grew and it grew and it's super sticky. It's very well produced. It's well a and it's well. It's a well packaged product. Like yeah. 
it went to number one on Shazam after I think like four weeks. Patrick did an amazing job servicing it. People couldn't stop listening to it. So I think in that way, you get to grow with the momentum um, and you start thinking about, you know, what we can do with like Instagram influencers and like across the board. But I think, yeah, that was kind of the process. I don't know. I think I felt probably more excited about the being 11 for the first time than it being platinum later, <laughs> like by Christmas. <laughs> I get that. I get that. And I, and I guess the other one I was going to touch on was Bangles Fashion Week because I remember seeing and hearing that song and I feel like it flew in at the top 10. Like It, was, it went in at 8 and then I think yeah. it went... Seven. It went in at seven or eight. I can't remember, but that was that was like you know that was fun because I think that was my that was the first top ten campaign that I'd worked on. So it was kind of cool um, in that regard. But I can't take too much ownership in that one really because Bangles and his management put the video shoot together, and then it was a case of kind of like divvying up the assets really quickly to make sure that we had something that was gonna do what they put in justice, if that makes sense. So again, like, yeah, that was really, that's really the vibe. It was like, um, they made a decision about the music video and it really worked. And I think, what Toby, you said it went in at seven, not eight. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Toby. Um, but that was fun because, again, I think, like, speaking to the things that motivate me, being able to work on that with Bangles was, like, very special because he cares hugely about his work and he, rightly so, believes that everything that he does is that, like, is that level, right? Mm -hmm. But some of it is down to shit that we can't control because i remember when we had um this bangles track called your loving which mm -hmm. was the summer before and i fully 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 was like this is a fucking hit and i remember drinking also listening to it and genuinely loving it but drinking the fucking hit aid and being like this is a hit this <laughs> is a hit and like walking around like a bit of a wanker pretending like any of us could know before fans get it that yeah. it was something that, like <laughs> you know that it was something else and it was a top 40 and I again I was like really happy with that because we, had, we hadn't done that yeah. uh, together before um but it wasn't the result that I think the pressure that we'd allowed to build up around it um you know would, yeah. would applied. so it felt, I think that Fashion Week felt particularly good because of the of the journey and Bangles' journey at Warner, um, you know, so yeah. So as well as doing the domestic roster, something we should touch upon is the fact you also deal with the American roster in terms of Warner Brothers, America, and acts coming over here and amazing things like Top Boy soundtrack. Like, what's, what, what is that? What does your... I say day to day, but how's your, how, what does that look like dealing with these American acts plus a soundtrack plus, like you can feel that same, but how, how is that? You know, we know so, the different side, how's the American side? 
like American, I remember at first, like one of the first things to be put onto my, um, one of the first things to be put onto my roster was Lil Pump. <laughs> and I was like, I don't like this. Um, <laughs> simply because I'm just like, you can't say the N word, little man, it's not appropriate. But yeah. morals aside, uh, that was pretty fun because it was like um, it was Gucci Gang. I don't know if you remember that song. Like Gucci yeah. Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, um, and that was like a big challenge because I'm like, you've got this like kind of um, SoundCloud rapper from the states plus um, plus a booming UK like black music culture like mm. that that is happening and it's happening kind of at the same time and we're trying to get um this soundcloud rapper who is seemingly devoid of, it's not really like you don't have like pride in what it is like mm. that he's doing whereas i think that fans of uk rap have pri pride and emotional connections to the artists that like we all champion it's yeah. like you look at um mist you look at uh dave stormzy heady dutch now and you're like i like i want you to win because yeah, um, yeah. you have the context so it was definitely hard i remember several hard lessons in that one in terms of trying to get like paid promos with like i'm just bait and like the blog pages and it just not connecting. So I think that was like a real lesson that we've definitely got like more sophisticated at now um, about how to kind of like seed content, seed music through influencer content. Mm -hmm. um, because what I, I quite firmly believe in um, is that you want me you want the music to kind of exist uh, in the real world conscious consciousness if that's the right phrase so if you're scrolling through um instagram and like every other piece of like meme content that you're consuming has like a certain backing track it's not going to be long before you start connecting the dots in your head about what that like what that um what that music is and what it means to you and what it's associated with but it was very 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 hard to do that with Lil Pump um so it was oh, my mum's just joined the room Lloyd <laughs> I thought that was someone of your family I saw the last name they got mumsy <laughs> so it was it was challenging and then you kind of acknowledge that a certain amount of it just it just goes it just naturally goes because yeah. there's a um there's a certain like base level uh, audience that consume at a rate higher than they do like a lot of our domestic repertoire because I think he does like his his UK streams are fucking crazy but making it feel culturally relevant I think that we and I struggled with hugely but then there are other things that you struggle with less like I think the OVO roster for so many reasons, because I believe that they put culture first, um, just mm -hmm. across the board. Like Roy Woods is always here. He's really professional. He wants to work. He's just like active. Back and not nice um, is like just am amazing. Um, and had one of the biggest underground anthems of like, I guess like the last like 
four years with Live Up yeah. To My Name. Like you couldn't really go anywhere without hearing that and it played alongside all of our, um, it played alongside naturally all of our um, like UK shit that was banging at the time. So uh, I guess because in terms of their sensibilities and the way that they approach it, it seems kind of easier to, to make certain things connect, if that makes sense, because it's already assimilated with like Becca, I mean, gigs have a track and yeah. like it's it, the brand itself kind of speaks for itself so um yeah it's kind of like a mix of being like wanting to I, I always say that you you want to try and get artists to foster like emotional connections with um with audiences that's basically the goal so that they're just not forgotten, and that and that it means something to everybody that's um, everybody that's involved. But it um, it can be challenging, I think, especially as markets move in different in different ways. So, listen, you've you've discussed marketing brilliantly. You break down a few campaigns, which is exciting. So now we've talked about the job. What would be your top three tips or your advice? for someone wanting to do your job? Someone wanting to be market, a marketing or a marketer person like yourself? Hmm, top three. Uh, I mean, it could be more than three, okay. but what would be your advice? Okay, please? I think it's really important to uh, be honest, even when that is like really, really, really scary, because a lot of the time it is really scary. And especially when, as you saw, I think you asked me like a maths question earlier. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> it's not my uh, strong suit but you kind of have to just be yeah you have to be honest you have to communicate um very transparently between all of the parties that you um that you're engaging with because things get murky very quickly i think especially at like the major label end um it gets it can get fucking confused very very fast and um, I wouldn't necessarily say that they're buildings that are characterised by people wanting to put their neck on the line. Yeah. Right? But I'm like, you must put your neck on the line because I don't know, like, I can't even imagine what it takes, like, for example, for Pa to get into the studio and make the music that he makes that I think is essential to the world. So how can I then sit there and, like, not, do you know what I mean, not take, like, not take that as seriously? Um, yeah uh you know and honesty is important because sometimes ideas are shit and if you sit there and you're just like oh I'm just like kind of whatever just let that go past then you it's always like a regret I like have that <laughs> like, I have that lessons learned um about not calling shit out or not interrogating ideas hard enough and not holding myself to a high enough standard and also those around me. And, and and that's something that is like a learning curve. It's not the fucking end of the world, but it does have an impact and it impacts no one harder than the artists that you fucking work with. So, honesty. And so that's the main advice. That's the main tip. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I think that something that I could do more of 
Um, but I actually, since we've been in quarantine, I'm finding it like a lot um, easier because um, I think like the commute and like just like the general grind is like can sometimes be quite just like an exhausting um, thing. But I think you need yeah. to stay in tune with the things that make you feel inspired and in and engaged and not let it in a way become like 100% like a job in that sense mm -hmm. because it can completely take over as we said I came into this I came into Warner with a like a company that I was working like that I was doing with my friends and that doesn't exist anymore because I like had I had to make a choice realistically mm -hmm. about um where I was allocating my time what was making more money um what I felt more confident in and all of those things but I think that you know, unless you hold on to some of those elements, it can be quite a, um, it can become quite a nine, like not like a nine to five because it is 24 hours, but it can become quite mechanical and you need to stay, you need to stay inspired and engaged and connected to the thing that you loved and why you wanted to do it in the first place. So. Also, I think what someone watching and listening to this back and stuff could learn is to actually have courage and guts because, like you said, you went to the HR team and were like, you've got black artists in mist and there's no one to represent black music in marketing. And clearly you were right because they did something about it. <laughs> so I think yeah, I was just say I hope, and um, maybe I take this kind of for granted um, because I think I'm I'm quite outspoken. I'm quite outspoken about it. But I'm like, your blackness is your like power, and it is your magic, and it is what you have to contribute that the majority of the other people working in these spaces cannot like, like they don't they don't have. So you just naturally don't have the insight. So I would never like dull that down um, for like love nor money i'm like this is i can't change i can't change it um you know so i think that that's like incredibly important i think hopefully something that i um try to support like malika for example who who i work with to to express them like you have to be like bravely you you know you've got to like like put like 10 toes down walk in every day and be like i know what i'm contributing because like i'm i'm here and i have something to say um yeah. and that again i think that kind of goes back to the honesty thing that can be very scary because you you know you have all of like the kind of like uh i guess stereotypes of being like you know what it is it can it can be like it can be intimidating but i think that yeah. you find different ways and you you cannot really get tired of you can't really get tired of that 100% and I agree, actually. It's something we talk about a lot, just how we, how you have to um, stay true to yourself and represent ways you know and live and breathe because music is a part of life and life is happening and there's people listening to music that are just like us. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And we're just like them. So if we know the music and we know the culture, we live it and breathe it, we will probably be best placed to talk about it. You know, that's just... It's, like, it's, it's passion-based. Like, I have my the job that I have now because, like, I love UK rap. <laughs> like, so when you're asking me about, like, um, the US 
repertoire I'm like of course like I love like I'm a music lover but like I love UK rap it's like what I love so there's nothing you can't really you know I imagine it's probably frustrating for quite a few people uh you can't really um when you're passionate about something it's quite hard to shake that off yeah. um, but yeah I just I think that you have to stay you have to stay in tune with it you have to go I know like I really love going and doing talks like I, before lockdown um was invited to go and do a talk uh in Croydon with my friend Alfred because he runs this platform and you know I think it's really important you know also Lloyd as we've discussed to be involved and contributing and sharing like sharing whatever insight you have even if it sounds like kind of rambly <laughs> but yeah. this is why you have this platform I guess <laughs> and I'll just see your dad is joining the chat I need to big up your dad your daddy does amazing art and I need a piece of art from my office <laughs> Like I really do, so I would love your dad. I hope he's still here because <laughs> the request has gone in like straight, live and direct. Live it's and like, direct. There's like loads of people in here. It's cool. Oh yeah, you're popular, OC. They don't come for me. They come. Like, for that me. is not true. Um, <laughs> well, we got a couple of questions that I okay. want to answer. Um, a couple of people tuning in. Cool. Um, so, River oh. Cartel says if you use ads for your music is that good to help seed music um there's two ways of looking at it really it depends what your advert looks like i am a big fan okay sorry so as an example right when you were asking about um the mist campaign i'm always like i think people get very bored of assets like of like just like a cut down of the video so i'm always like can you please yeah send a clip of you in like listening to the song or whatever it is having a good time um so that when people are swiping across it mm. looks like it's kind of natural um <laughs> that you're being invited to a game of people lord um yeah it kind of sits naturally in the feed and kind of natively so i wouldn't say that ads are a way of seeding music in terms of making it um you know, embed within a, in the consciousness per se, but you just need to be on top of what your creative is and don't be afraid to get quite experimental. I think the NSG with options probably had the best example of like online advertising in the mm -hmm. last like, ever. I think it's something that I definitely look at <laughs> still and I'm like, damn, I wish like, like professional um, envy. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it's, like experimenting with what the creative looks like so that you um aren't just doing something that's like sticking out like a sore thumb amongst people's feeds is probably quite important what do you think Lloyd? no 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 i think um the thing is is that good to help seed music i think yes but i also think you've got to be it's got to be right i think the worst thing we see is people forcing an advert or forcing music in something. And you look at it and you watch it and you're like, mm, that's not organic. <laughs> that's not a bit forced. And therefore, you know, it's been, it's someone in somewhere that's gone, yeah, we should do this. And I think you've got to be careful. And I think we see that in like TikTok. Not every song is for TikTok. <laughs> not every song needs a challenge. Not every song needs a dance. Like, 
Don't yeah, because you get you get so many triller. I get so many triller notifications being like the new challenge, and I'm like, I know that nobody's really taken part in this because no. you can you can tell now, and it's the same thing, I guess, with like paid influencer promo that we all discuss constantly. Um, I think that you can look, you could literally spend all day looking at what content works and what doesn't. Um, so just being vigilant of of that really all right and then there was one more in here as a latin uk based artist how do you see our culture best emerging with the uk Ooh, that's an interesting <laughs> that is <laughs> fucking hard um okay so i have an example of trying to um, support a track with that ha that was like hi Rosie um, that had um, Drake and Bad Bunny had a song called Mia um, mm. that that came through Warner because it was an OVO Sounds one and I live in South London so I'm like close to Elephant so I understand but whereas like, I'm not part of it but I understand that there is like a Latin community in the UK and I feel like from what I understand talking, there's a girl that we work with called Edith, who was like really like on her fucking shit. Edith. Yeah, Edith was like on her shit. And she knows, uh, I guess the Latin, global Latin landscape very, very well. And I wouldn't say oh. that I, I wouldn't say that I understand hugely. However, if you can use other templates as an example, um, if you look at Meeks, who's a rapper from Manchester, yeah, his entire, strategy from what i can see has been to like get the regions on board so it's like if you understand where your community is super serve them make sure that you're supplying all the djs that are playing at the parties that are relevant to your um you know to your audience make sure they've all got your music make sure that you are performing live if you if there's not a place for you to perform live set up a fucking event and then invite people down that you know are relevant and start building like a bit of a movement that way because then you have people that will be championing you in real life and it will bleed over i think great advice so that is hard that's a hard question <laughs> All right, we got one more that we're just going to do that they were running out of time we're coming up to our hour scene okay um, this is a really interesting one Sanjay says, has the appointment of an Asian GM for Warner Records impacted much change as of yet? Um, I don't know what change... Early. It's early days. It's early days. But also, <laughs> I think that it's, it's based on, like, character. It's been such a weird time. We've all been stuck, like, behind our desks, literally at home. So... I think that we'll really understand how good and progressive it is when we're all together, you know? Yeah. Someday, like we haven't been able to meet our new GM in the flesh yet. <laughs> That's a hard question, mate. <laughs> we haven't, we're still working in lockdown. Yeah, it's too early. Way too early to decide yet. So, we're not going to take any more questions. I've got a few before we wrap up. So, I always ask everyone, what would Oaksy, what would you tell your younger self? What would you say to the younger Oaksy, looking back now, knowing where you are, what you've done, what you've experienced? What would you tell yourself? 
uh, that you're probably gonna have like a lot of fun. <laughs> Hi, Tiffany. Um, that you're probably gonna have like yeah, you're gonna have like. We got Tiffany Carver. <laughs> you're gonna have a lot of fun, um, and that you need to just fucking work hard. I think. What would I tell my younger self? Mm, that's really meta. I'm like, it's like, well, yeah. I think uh, maybe a very, very good piece of advice that I was given very early on in the, um, in my journey at Warner was that Nathan told me, he was like, you could be really, really good at your job. You just need to leave emotion at the door. And I literally, from that day, and I still <laughs> struggle with it a little bit because sometimes, I, as you know, I can be a bit hot-headed and passionate or whatever. But I think that that is something... Uh, I bet he valuable. said that so, like, noble as well. Like, yeah, yeah just leave emotion at the door. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, yeah, okay. I, like, what do you mean? That I'm not meant to, like, care so much that I cry? But you, you kind of have to learn, and I think definitely a valuable lesson for me is learning how to channel my, um, channel my energies um, to be pr productive, um, and leaving emotion at the door is probably a very good <laughs> first step in that regard because you need to be analytical, you know. Yeah. In saying, but in saying that though, I think this is the thing: music comes from emotion. Music is there when we're sad. Music's there when we're happy. Music's there when you're like every every type of feeling you're feeling. Music will be there. So I often find that we have to we have to think emotional at times because that's just how this is what we're putting out to the world. This is it's the music we're doing. So, but I think it's more so like when hi Andy. I think it's more so like when trying to like communicate to. Uh, like there would be certain things that really get me flustered like we've spoken about like microaggressions and like things that would be like really 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 get me very very upset whereas i'd be like what we're going to do here is suck the emotion out of it and just show you the success and then you're going to have to let me do what i want <laughs> so that i think that that's kind of like the um the the vibe of course it is emotional but you've got to learn how to channel it to be impactful in a place that doesn't necessarily value emotion too high. And then the second question I always ask people before they leave is what's next? What's, what's happening next? I know we've just put out a get song. Which we is have. A There's a lot of big stuff coming that you know that I can't talk about. So well, it's a big, what, what, it's, it's a big we can it's, talk about. It's a big, uh, I think the next six months are going to be pretty epic for so many reasons. The way uh, that the world has dramatically changed. So the way that we have to communicate music and artist brands during this, um, during this time. Uh, so what's next? Only bigger and better things, I think, Lloyd. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And on that we, note, we have a lot of work to do. Oh, mate. We just started. We just yeah. started. So, um, but thank you very much for doing this. We, thank you we, for having me. I hope time flies so. when you're having fun. And we've got a minute left. Okay, <laughs> so, well, I hope that that was like, useful. I feel like I get a bit embarrassed and rambly. But... No. And for anyone tuning in, we've got 24 people here live. This is a podcast. Everyone can listen back and the video will be up on the page. It's on Apple, Spotify, it's everywhere. 
and we're just trying to help give the next generation some advice and some gems up and coming artists up and coming future executives people that want to do what we do and thank you very much Oopsie you've been a great guest thank you Lloyd Done quickly and uh, I'll see you soon alright well I'll probably talk to you this evening or tomorrow morning <laughs> I think we need to talk in a sec about our video shoot tomorrow and yep just that's true we've got a shoot tomorrow morning so there we go <laughs> <laughs> alright see you later thank you bye Right. So that was Oxy. Thank you everyone for tuning in. This is going to be back on the page. Like I said, it's a podcast. We'll be back next week, Thursday, with another guest. This has been Temper Flow Music Industry Talks. See you soon.